how are you now? How are you on Super Bowl weekend? Right now. Hello and welcome, folks, to episode 51 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and um, I know I said uh, in the last episode a few days ago that I was going to do a YouTube version uh, for this game. Uh, i be honest with you guys, I tried to do it. I pulled out my camera, uh, got my mic set up, and then I was like, I, I recorded like just the intro part of the podcast, and I looked at it, and the sound is like shit. I, I need to get some other equipment before I can do that, uh, if I can do it at all. So that's probably not going to happen, but... I don't think anybody really gives a shit. As long as the episodes exist, people can continue to listen to them. And we're not here to talk about me anyways. We're here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens taking on the Dallas Stars, a ostensibly far superior team, uh, certainly on paper and uh, in terms of results this season as well so far. So also a team that they have beaten this season. So really kind of went into this one with middling expectations, right? The last game was a tough watch because they got out to that lead and then they kind of just held on for dear life for the remainder of that game. That third period in the last one against the Stars was really tough to watch just because, you know, you saw them play really good hockey to get the lead and then just completely abandon everything that they were doing well. And that's that's tough, especially this season. Like, I'm fine with them losing as long as they do it, you know, admirably. Uh, I, I'm fine with them winning as long as they do it admirably. And that was not an admirable win. That was very much, we jumped out to a quick lead with a, a few quick strikes and then just hung our goaltender out to dry and expected him to to get the job done, which he did. And that's not a really good way <laughs> to be going about your games. But look, we're going to get to what happened this time. Uh, it was a little bit different than the last one for sure and uh, everything that happened therein. But first, you know, it is playoff time and it is Super Bowl weekend and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. Our partner Bet Online is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade. Bet Online is your number one source for your championship wagering. Head to Bet Online and join today to get in on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. And your Montreal Canadiens started their game uh, with some, you know, trading penalties with the Dallas Stars, apparently. Uh, Tanner Pearson was off very early in the first period for a penalty. Uh, they managed to kill that off. Dallas nearly scored. They had one right sitting on the goal line, and Samuel Montembeau barely managed to keep that thing from crossing 100%. It was about halfway across, and he managed to keep it out. Um, so that keeps it 0-0. And then Ryan Suter takes his turn in the box, uh, you know, nearly five minutes into the game. And honestly, the Habs power play looked really good there, but they couldn't score. And it was a tight period overall. Shots by the end of it were 6-6, to but nobody could score. And we went into the second period with a clean sheet. And the Habs, honestly, you know, skating stride for stride with the Stars. Got to give them credit. Uh, that first period was quite impressive. Um, particularly the power play was intriguing for me. But overall, I thought they were very good in that frame and, you know, giving you something to cheer for. We go into the second period. The top line looked fantastic in the first, and they're out there early in the second. And guess what? Cole Caulfield gets the puck in his own zone, throws the fucking longest bank pass you've ever seen in your life all the way to the other side, banks it into the offensive zone, and guess who's there? It's Nick Suzuki who picks it up, has a look, snipes far side top cheddar, just absolutely sails that one by the ear of Jake Ottinger, and it's one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. A little later in that period, though, Yoel Armia and Raphael Harvey-Pinard collide at center ice. Just, I think it was Armia was going backwards, uh, and they just run into each other. They didn't see each other coming, and uh, RHP is hurt badly. He needed to be helped 
to the room, and it kind of led to a little bit of chaos after that. The Habs weren't too sure what was going on. It led to Thomas Harley all alone in the high slot, and he goes five-hole on Samuel Montembeau. 1-1 is your score now, and that play where Harvey Pinard got hurt, it seemed to really take the wind out of the sails for the Habs because off the ensuing draw, Dallas goes right back down the ice. Matt Duchesne is behind the net with the puck. He throws it out front to Tyler Seguin, and it's 2-1 to one in the span of like 20 seconds following that uh, collision between Armia and Harvey Pinard at center ice. I mean, just... And plus, that, that seemed to like give all of the momentum in favor of the Stars because from that point in the period, they, they kind of just took over the game. Every ounce of momentum felt like it was on their side. And then late in the period, it's Matt Duchesne again. This time, he's uh, on the far side and just throws it back door. And it's Tyler Seguin again getting the pass from Duchesne. And it's 3-1 to one in favor of the Stars. Luckily for the Habs, that did wake them up a little bit. Having that third goal go in, uh, they started playing a little bit better. And guess who? It's the top line again. This time, it's Uri Slavkowski. Cole Caulfield is behind the net. He throws it out to Slaff. Slaff's at the bottom of the circle. He has a fucking atrocious angle. And he still snipes that thing, top ched, right by the ear of Jake Ottinger. Again, this is a good goalie, a shitty angle, and Uri Slavkowski snipes it anyways. More on that after I get through the rest of the recap. And it's 3-2. to two. The Habs have some life in this game going into the third period. Now, in the third, you know, they started out, they have to kill off a, a late second period holding penalty that was called against Jaden Struble. Uh, they're about to finish that off, and then Sagan goes off for a cross-check. They get a golden opportunity with a power play, and they can't score. Later, Ryan Suter takes a hook on Tanner Pearson on his way to the net. Another golden opportunity, and they can't score. And then Jake Evans gets called four minutes for high-sticking with about six to play. Now, i got to pause the recap here to just kind of talk about this because I don't like this call one little bit. The way it happened was basically he's crossing in the center of the ice. They're in the neutral zone. He's crossing with uh, Joe Pavelski, right? Pavelski is leaning way forward. He's basically, he might as well be on his knees at this point and leans right into the stick. Now, I don't think he leaned into the stick on purpose to draw a call. Anybody who's ever taken a high stick to the mouth before knows that it's extremely painful and nobody would do that on purpose. So I don't think he's doing that on purpose. But I do think some consideration needs to be given for the fact that he is bent over so low that the the stick really isn't high at that point. Yes, it hits him in the face. So I could understand a, a two-minute minor, but what the refs call is four minutes. And I think they called the four minutes because they didn't actually see it. I don't think they saw the high stick. I think they just saw the reaction from Pavelski and went, oh, we're going to call a four-minute and then we're going to review it. I think that's bullshit um, because I, 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 really, I really don't think that this was worth four minutes primarily because I didn't see any blood coming out of Pavelski's mouth. Nobody did. So basically, we're supposed to take the refs at their word that there was blood either inside or on the outside of his mouth at some point. And as a result, Evans has to sit for four minutes. Now, you know, I, I get that you want to get the, the you want to get things right on the ice, and and I understand. I don't necessarily always have a problem with them making a call just to give themselves the opportunity to review it. But in in this case, how do you review that afterwards and think it's still worth four minutes? Particularly considering they showed. Pavelski's face on the bench right after the review and there's no blood whatsoever he looks fine so I don't know I don't know I guess the only thing that they were reviewing there was not whether or not his stick touched him uh, or sorry not whether or not there was blood the only thing they were reviewing was whether or not the stick touched him and look I just don't think that that was worth four minutes um, and I think a lot of people would maybe even argue that that's not worth the penalty at all because he was bent over but alas the Habs have to kill it off and not only do they kill it off, they have 
more and better scoring chances on that penalty kill than the Dallas Stars had coming at them with the power play. It was a, an absolutely magnificent kill from the Habs, and they came very close to scoring. Uh, Yoel Armia had a really good opportunity. Mike Matheson just barely missed one. They could have had two goals on that penalty kill. They could have taken the lead, uh, but they just just a few inches, few feet off, whatever you want to call it. It was just it wasn't meant to be, but they were close. They were so close. Afterwards, they got about two minutes left in the game. They would pull Samuel Montembeau for the extra skater, but they couldn't get very much going at all at six on five. And unfortunately, your final score is, in fact, three to two in favor of the Dallas Stars when all is said and done. Um, Look, I don't necessarily think that this is the kind of game that you would have wanted the Habs to win anyways. If you looked at the the shot total and uh, the scoring chance total and everything after the game, if the Habs won that, it would have been in very large part thanks to Samuel Montembeau. And I don't think that's the type of game that the Habs need to be winning at this stage. Uh, if you're if you're gonna get if you're gonna absolutely get a steal from your goaltender, you know you're better off honestly losing that thing in regulation and uh, allowing yourself to slide a little bit in the standings and maybe improve the draft position uh, come this summer. It's 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 really not worth it right now to have absolute steals coming from the goaltenders, and this kind of would have been one of those. Now, that being said, the players they were getting their offense from are the exact players that you would hope to be seeing the offense from. So it really wasn't like it wasn't a bad performance from them. It wasn't one of those games where you go, ah, they deserve to get absolutely hammered, like nine to one or something, and they and they kept it close. I think you know as a team they were able to keep this close. Their goaltender gave them a really good chance to win it, and they just couldn't get the extra goals. And I think that's perfectly fine. Team Tank is going to be happy with this. I think the regular fans, even the ones that cheer for wins at this time, are going to be happy with this. There's not a whole lot to be upset about with that game. I think they played pretty good hockey specifically considering the lineup that they have to ice. I mean, they're playing with spare parts at this point outside of that top line, and look how good they were. Um, your silver lining of the night, I'm going once again with Uri Slavkovsky. Um, now, this could have gone to Nick Suzuki. It could have gone to Alex Newhook, who uh, made his return from injury, but I'll get to both of those guys. Uri Slavkovsky is, is my silver lining, and you look at that goal that he scored. I tweeted this out, and I, I believe this very firmly. You, you go back even a month before now, and if Uri Slavkovsky gets that pass from Cole Caulfield, he's going to do one of two things. One, he's going to try to force a pass to the back door because he's not confident enough to shoot it, and he feels like going to the back door. You know, you slide that across, you get that lateral movement. It's going to be an easy goal for whoever's there, but there was no option there. But a month ago, he would have tried to force that option regardless of the fact that there was no option for him to pass through there. The other thing he might have done is held onto that puck for a split second longer and allowed one of the stars or uh, Jake Ottinger himself to get into that shooting lane and stop that shot from going in. And he did neither of those things. Instead, it was an immediate, you know, uh, catch and pitch. He gets it, immediately shoots it, upstairs, laser beam, off his back foot. He's not even in a proper stance to be shooting that fucking puck, and he still lasers it, top Chad. Like... The, the, all this work that they've been showing him, like uh, you've seen tons of uh, Habs reporters that have shown him like staying late after practice or coming early to practice, getting on the ice before everybody else and working with Dr. Schott. And this is clearly paying off because not only is his timing better, his confidence is, is, is much higher and he's not trying to force those plays. He's not holding on to pucks longer. When he gets a look, he's taking it immediately. Snap. And 
I I think this is the best possible news that we could get as Habs fan is is to see this number one overall pick that a lot of people were were down on. You know, even myself, I was on Team Shane right before they made the pick, but I was willing and I wasn't jumping all over Yaroslavkovsky in his first season. I was willing to wait and see can he get better. But there was always a little bit of anxiety, even for me, as I'm I'm willing to sit around and I'm willing to wait. But there's a little bit of anxiety, like when when's he gonna show us? You know, the stuff that made him a first overall pick. We're seeing that now. We're we're absolutely seeing that now. And it is uh, an extremely welcoming sight. He is for sure one of their best three forwards. Uh, He's right up there with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. And it just so happens that they've got excellent chemistry together to the point where now Cole Caulfield is on an 11-game point streak. Um, Nick Suzuki is on what? A a six-game point streak, I think. And... Caulfield, or no, sorry, Slavkovsky is on a three-game goal streak, three or four-game goal streak. So they, they got a bunch of streaks going on with that top line as a result of how good they're playing and particularly how good they are playing together as a unit. Um, Slavkovsky's forechecking has made such a difference for that line. And look, I, I, I think th- th- this is a line that they're probably going to be able to run with for a very long time. When this team is actually built to compete around that line, uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. When they've got real secondary scoring to go behind them, and it's not just them doing everything every game, this is gonna be a good team. So you know, good news for the rebuild. Now, I mentioned we were gonna talk about other players as well. Alex Newhook made his return from injury. Uh, I thought he looked fantastic, man. He was flying out there. Uh, he does everything at 110% speed, and look, his ankle looked no worse for wear. So I think. You know, I, I want to give kudos to the medical staff on this one because I do wonder, like we'd seen him skating earlier and maybe he could have came back sooner than he did and they never tried to rush any of that. They just kept him out and they let him get better. And, uh, you know, I think you, you saw the, the proofs in the pudding there. It's not worth rushing guys back, especially not in a rebuilding season where you're not going to make the playoffs, you know, risking guys' health just so they can get out there and play a meaningless game in January or, or November or what whatever. doesn't matter what month it is. If you are not... You know, in the playoff mix, even if you are in the playoff mix, sometimes it's not worth risking a guy. But if you're not in the playoff mix, then it's definitely not worth it. So um, kudos to them and kudos to Newhook for obviously keeping himself in good shape, uh, despite the fact that he was out for an injury, because he did not look like he uh, was sucking wind whatsoever. He's out there flying every shift, uh, played really well, and uh, and didn't didn't look like he was, you know, again, sucking wind or, you know, lacking any kind of conditioning. So kudos to the medical staff and kudos to Newhook as well it was good to see him back out there and hopefully you know if they can get healthy next season he'd be a big part of uh, you know their either their middle six or their second line uh, to get some of that secondary scoring behind the top line and then Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield I don't even like I, what's the point of me even talking about those two anymore they're you, you talk about how the Habs have a, a lack of elite talent and I, I think that's still true and I mentioned this last episode the closest two things that they have to elite players are Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. And I think that they're a lot closer than people give them credit for. I think the reason that we're not seeing, you know, above point per game from those guys is because right now the Habs just don't have a lineup that that scares teams outside of that top line. And it makes it easier for other teams to either come into their building or if you're, especially if you're in, uh, if you're on the road, to key on them and to put your, to, to put whoever they want out against that line to try and defend against them. And they can try different things. And really their mission is we just got to stop that top line. And 
once that's not the case, I think you're going to see an explosion of numbers from those two, um, especially if they keep him with Slavkovsky because that line has been so damn good. Uh, I don't see a universe where they're not filling the net once there's other lines that you got to worry about as well. So um, a really good tank game, honestly, because we saw uh, important players have really good performances, even on the back end. You know, Jaden Struble played really well. Caden Gooley played really well. Um, I thought even David Savard had a pretty good game there. Uh, he had really good moments in that game, at least. The kind of moments that might be able to intrigue a team like Dallas to maybe trade for him if they need some help on the back end for their playoff run. So we'll see what happens with him heading up to the trade deadline. Uh, Mike Matheson played really well. Again, he had a few opportunities uh, shorthanded that just unfortunately didn't roll right for him. Um, and he had, uh, what did he have? I think he had two assists in that game as well. So. Um, yeah, this is kind of a perfect tank game. We, we saw some good things. We got a regulation loss and um, nothing really to complain about. Other than, of course, the Harvey Pinar injury, which is not ideal. This is a team that's already currently in the top five, I think, for man games lost this season. And, you know, they're going to have another guy that's out and we don't know for how long. But, he sh- man, he really did not look good going off the ice there. Um, his knee buckled a little bit on the collision. I, I don't know. I don't want to armchair doctor it. I have no idea what's wrong with him. The team, I'm sure, will update us when they can. But I do know uh, that just a few moments ago, they recalled uh, Joshua Roy from the Laval Rocket. So uh, Le Sniper Beauceron will ride again for the Montreal Canadiens. We'll see for how long. Uh, of course, I think Brennan Gallagher comes back from his suspension after a couple of games, so that might change things. They might see either maybe they send Gignac down and expose him to waivers, or maybe they send Roy back down uh, to avoid exposing anybody to waivers. Um, it's hard to say, but the really right now my my thoughts are with Rafael Harvey Pinar. I hope he's okay. That's a tough way uh, to have your season end. And honestly, again, I don't want to armchair doctor it, but that looked like a season ender. Um, he was not putting a single bit of weight on that leg, and he had to have two people help him into the room. So, again, I really hope he's all right. I hope we see him again this season. But if it's anything serious, then I hope we don't. I hope they shut him down uh, to try and make sure that he can get healthy and uh, you know get whatever surgery or rehab that he needs uh, to be good to go for, for next season and to compete for a roster spot. Because I think next season we're going to see a, a lot more competition for, for roster spots. It's going to be pretty open. Outside of you know the, the big three that they got on the top line, um, I, I think almost everything is going to be up for debate. And... Um, yeah, they got some guys that are on NHL contracts that maybe are going to be tough to get rid of. You know, your Yoel Armias, your Josh Andersons on the team. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get rid of some of those guys, trade them. Uh, I don't. We don't know if they're going to be signing anybody, and we also have no idea who they're going to draft. It's going to be, it's going to be fun next season to see them try to put together a, a better squad. And I really do think that come next year, this is going to be a much better team. They're, they're going to have some young players that are ready to graduate and become day one NHLers. Um, they're going to have at least one I assume they're going to make at least one pick in the first round probably their own pick they might trade uh, the other one that they've got or maybe they're going to go and, and get even more first round picks we don't know um, uh, the, it's it's a lot of unknowns right now but I'll tell you what I'm enjoying some of the hockey that I'm seeing um, I have no problem with them losing that game because again it would have been a bit of a steal if they had won it and I, I think it's a perfect tank game and we're, we're, we're seeing uh, we're seeing good things from this team that that give you hope at least that the future could be bright. So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Joshua Roy got pulled out of the Laval lineup, so he's obviously going to be playing for the Habs in their matinee tomorrow before the Super Bowl. So 
Um, I'll be back with another episode after that one. We'll see if I can figure out my uh, my overall situation here and try to get um, try to get the the video version done for tomorrow's game. But uh, if I don't, you know where to get me. Um, it's uh, it's going to be on Spotify, going to be on Google Play, Apple. Uh, I am on Twitter as well. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate that very much. What are we running today? Um, over 20 minutes. Alors, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Merci beaucoup. Um, this episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.